Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I am the host, Dr. Pat Basili. Most of you have known me from the show we used to do called Crust Busting. This is still the home of Crust Busting. And uh, I want to thank everybody out there for all of their fabulous emails. And uh, we take everything that you send us and we, we take that as input and uh, provide you with the kind of programming that you want to hear. Uh, the website is www.thedrpatshow.com, P-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com. And certainly, if you want to send me an email, you can do it at pat, P-A-T, at thedrpatshow.com. I am so totally jazzed about today's show. I can't even begin to tell you my experience with this fabulous book that very, very friends at Booth Media just just totally sent my way, and these two wonderful people that are doing fabulous work in the world. Now, let me tell you, the book is The Self-Hypnosis Diet, Use the Power of Your Mind to Reach Your Perfect Weight. And when I first got this book, I have to tell you, I was like, okay, let me see. Let me see if I can wrap my mind around this. But I have to tell you, within 15 minutes of reading this book, they had me hooked. Who am I talking about? Dr. Stephen Gurchevich and Joy Gurchevich. And they are here today to talk about the book. But more importantly, for me, what I am getting out of their work is they are giving each and every one of us an invitation to change our lives, to really be the power behind what happens to us. Now, let me just say a little bit about who these folks are, and you're going to get lots of information about them. Also, you'll get their websites, and by the end of the show, you will be beating down their doors to find out the, about the work they're doing. Uh, Dr. Stephen Gurchevich is a health psychologist specializing in mind-body medicine, and you know, you're going to find out a lot about what that means. He's a faculty member and teaches mind-body medicine to physicians at Dr. Andrew Weil's program in integrative medicine at the University of Arizona. This is the second second conversation I've had with folks from the integrative medicine program at the University of Arizona. Boy, that is a place that we're going to want to know more about. Uh, Dr. Gurjevich is also a fellow and approved consultant of the American Society of Clinical uh, Hypnosis. Joy Gurjevich is a behavioral nutritionist specializing in helping each and every one of us create wholesome food choices for a healthy lifestyle, and also uh, related and involved in Dr. Wiles' program, again, in integrative medicine, and the behavioral nutrition expert at both of Dr. Wiles' websites. So I want to thank you both, first of all, for joining me on air, and most importantly, for putting out a book that the average person can not only read and understand, but to actually do something with uh, about, take some action. Thank you both for joining the show. Wow, what a great introduction. Yeah, thank you, Pat. That was uh, <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> I have to tell you, you know, um, you probably don't know this. Uh, my listeners know this story. Uh, my sister uh, died at about 450 pounds, and I think that was actually the last time she was ever weighed, and I would venture to say she might have even been more. So I have dedicated a large part of what I do to try to help, uh, no, uh, to help people. Uh, remember, I read that in your books. So I'm not trying to do anything anymore, okay? great catch. I'm not doing that anymore. But to help people understand that they have the power 
to actually manage not only their bodies and their weight, but almost everything in their lives. And I want to thank you for putting this book together, which, you know, page by page, you, you are just inspired to keep reading. So thank you. Well, you're welcome, and thank you very much for your thoughtful remarks. I'm very sorry to learn about your sister, but uh, um, I wish we could have helped her. You know, I think by her death, it has inspired me to help many, many people, including our young people. And um, I have to ask you, and and I know that the, the folks at Booth did a great job of sending me questions and talking points, and and I and and I definitely will will refer to them. But I've got to ask you, what do you believe is the state of our society re- regarding obesity? today well i think it's an epidemic i think that it's uh, it's crazy too we have the fattest nation on earth and yet we have the greatest budget and consumer cost for dieting diet aids diet centers um the advertising for the food industry i mean it's all about getting fat it's not about getting healthy. It's not about enjoying our lives. And I think the Surgeon General was correct when he called it the obesity epidemic. And now that we're seeing teenagers with type 2 diabetes because of weight, and, and the fact that even most Americans aren't even aware that the leading cause of diabetes is obesity, I think, I think it's just appalling that we have such a preventable, treatable condition that has just got run amok with you know, every possible gimmick and magical aid available for dieting. It's, it's, it's criminal the way, way the consumers treat it in America. You know, Joy, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that in what you do and in, 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 in being associated with such a powerful, powerful program, uh, you have, must have something to say on nutrition. <laughs> well, of course. And, you know, I think when we talk about this epidemic, it's actually been fueled by the the um, types of foods that we have been led to believe are good and healthy for us. And and it's only now that I think people are beginning to realize um, through a lot of research and through um, movies such as, you know, Super Size Me, that, that we're realizing that we do have to make a change and have to shift towards eating more wholesome foods. I, our, I... Our, um, our colleague, Andy Weil, who wrote the foreword to our book, um, has a wonderful quote that we always love to say, and if you would give me a moment to quote him. Please. It says, you cannot get down to your ideal weight and stay there by making resolutions to diet, going on the latest fad diet, joining a diet center, or buying pills and drinks that promise magical results. You can do it only by changing your ways of eating permanently, by building up good, sensible food habits that you can stick with for the rest of your life. Mm. And it's so very true. It is so very true, and and you know, at the surface, I want to ask you both about this. At the surface, it sounds very simple. It it is simple. It's not necessarily easy because there's a big difference between simple and easy. Huge. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's easy to it's easy to pick up the phone and and call uh, Brazil or London. We just press some buttons on the phone and voila. But. It's not simple. It requires a lot of technology. With using mind-body techniques, they are very simple. But it's not easy to make changes in our lifestyle and in our habits. And that's one of the beauties of using self-hypnosis. 
is that we're able to take a lot of the stress out of the change that comes with, um, with you know, doing things differently. Well, I hope uh, and I know that during this show we are clearly going to provide people with some information that I'm sure they've not had before. And we're going to really knock out the myths that are associated with hypnosis with some of the, the fabulous information that you have provided. Because uh, let me just mention to you that we go on for an hour here. We do not stop for interruptions. This is a format that I've loved to create. I call it Conversations uh, to Wholeness. And so a lot of what we're going to talk about today is a conversation that the three of us are having that our listeners will listen to and be inspired to make the changes. And you mentioned self-hypnosis, and I think this is a great place to start. Because for, for a lot of folks, they've had a hard time wrapping their minds around the simple idea of hypnosis. And so now self-hypnosis, but boy, do you explain this great, uh, wonderfully in the book. Maybe you could say a little something about it. Okay. Um, well, first off, all hypnosis is actually self-hypnosis. And perhaps the greatest misconception or myth about hypnosis is that it's done to somebody else, that someone gets hypnotized by another person. Stage hypnotists and people that exploit it for entertainment value in nightclubs and stage acts prey upon the myths and illusion and a variety of other techniques of persuasion to create an image that makes it look like somebody's getting hypnotized, being controlled, or manipulated. And the reality is that's not what hypnosis is about. A hypnotic trance, and this is the clinical language trance, uh, is really not much different, if, if and different at all, from what we experience as a daydream. It's a state of absorption. And think about whenever you've been absorbed in a wonderful book, movie, or just being wonderfully absorbed in something. At that time, you also exclude a lot of the things going on around you. You know they're there, but you're really not noticing them, sometimes quite dramatically, where things will happen that you're totally oblivious to because you were so focused. And hypnosis, or, and or self-hypnosis, I'll use them interchangeably, but I always mean self-hypnosis, is using your mind like a magnifying glass, your thinking mind, like a magnifying glass to create the absorption into thoughts and ideas and images that convey a message, much like a magnifying glass glass will gather and focus the rays of the sun. Our mind can do that in this daydream-like state so that the message is delivered to the mind of our body, our subconscious, that things can change, and they can change automatically and comfortably. And... Once they begin to change, it, it has a momentum of its own. Most of the time, there's such inertia to change that it takes a great deal to get somebody to just make the first choice to say, I'm going to do it. And as you said earlier, you're not going to try to do it. You're going to do it because try means something very different to the subconscious. Um, so biggest myth is that it's done to somebody. That's false. We teach people. We guide people. We lead people. And we show people how to have the experience because it's through the experience, creating this deliberate daydream, we call a trance, that we begin to feel familiar with, oh, yeah, I've done this before. I've done it all my life, perhaps. Now the next step is how do I utilize that to give messages to this mind of my body? Well, well you know, I, I, I so love what you're saying, I, and I'm also struck by the stories and the examples that you've included in the book. 
I, I could not get the image out of my mind. And boy, I'll tell you, look, I must be like a walking example of everything you teach. <laughs> because I was reading the story, I think it was about Maggie, uh-huh. who, um, uh, I think she was watching television or something and they were talking about the, uh, stomach bypass surgery. Oh, yes. And and I've, I read that story, and I'm so struck by what her experience was. Maybe you could share a little bit of that with with our listeners. I'd be happy to. Now, this is not something I necessarily promote, but it's a great example of the power of the mind. And yes. There be some people that actually might want to take this route, because it certainly worked for her. And it's, I know some others it's worked for as well after they heard the story. Um, Margie, uh, if I recall the name. Margie, okay, great. Now, she was watching a TV program that had, the guests on the program had all had a gastric bypass. And the thing that struck her the most was the fact that they were all happy and they were all saying, you know, now I can eat anything I want because the food just goes right through me and it doesn't get absorbed. And she thought that would be so easy. What if the food just went right through you and didn't get absorbed? So having learned hypnosis many years earlier, um, she started applying it on her own. Every night when she went to bed, she would tell herself, I've had a gastric bypass. And she would sort of pretend and imagine in her mind, you know, and even think those affirmations, I've had a gastric bypass. I can eat anything I want. The food goes right through me. And at first I think she was just playing with it, but within about three days she found herself calling the physician's office saying, you know, maybe I need to come in and see the doc because I'm... And she started, and the nurse asked her, well, what are your symptoms? And she started to say... It's as if I've had a gastric bypass. She was oh. having, uh, she, her motility of the gut was so pronounced that when she ate, she barely would finish a meal and she was off to the bathroom because of, literally the food was going right through her very rapidly. And what happened was her husband noticed that she was losing weight and every time he'd ask her, what about, you know, are you losing weight? She'd get up and leave the room. Eventually, after about a week, he pinned her down so he thought she was ill also. And uh, she just was afraid the spell would be broken. But she used that whenever she needed to knock off a quick 25, 35 pounds. Um, at first, she didn't change her eating habits. She just did that. And like I said, I don't promote necessarily that method because that's not what the self-hypnosis diet book's about. But it is a good example of how powerful our mind and our body respond to our thoughts and idea, ideas if we put a little belief and feeling into them. Well, you know, you both have done a fabulous job with really, uh, I, believe me, I, I get a lot of books and I read every single one of them. And the way that you take us step by step through the power of the mind, through what we can give up, through the fact that everything is a choice, really invites people to believe that there is actually hope for themselves. Because I think a lot of people have given up hope. I want to just mention to the listeners, if you're just tuning in, I'm here with uh, Stephen and Joy Gurjevich, and they are the authors of the book I'm referring to, The Self-Hypnosis Diet, Use the Power of Your Mind to Reach Your Perfect Weight. And we're talking about the power of your mind. We're talking about hypnosis. We're talking about weight. And I want to encourage you, if you have got a question today about any of this, please feel free to call in. The number to call in on the show is uh, 877-876-5227. Give us a call, and we will take your questions on air. 
in looking at everything that, that you both are doing, um, looking at the subconscious mind. And, Joy, I guess I want to ask you this question. You, I think, address the issue of the, the choices we make regarding food. Yes. Now, I would imagine that embedded in our minds somewhere, in the subconscious, we have ideas about food. And I'm not talking about people who may be in situations that are economically driven for them to have just one particular level of food. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about people that watching the commercial where the one guy on one side says two ninety nine and he's got a burger the size of a quarter and the other guy kind of ribs him and says two ninety nine and he's got the burger, the fries and the whole deal. <laughs> if they change that to caloric intake, we may have a good commercial. That's right. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the subconscious mind, if you will. And the choices that we're making, because I actually believe some of these commercials and some of the things we hear really hit the subconscious mind. Well, that's very true. I think I think you're right on that. Um, it's probably a good question for for um, Dr. Gergovich, um, if we're talking about the subconscious mind. But for sure, you know the 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 choices that we make in in food are definitely driven by media and um, and and our our peers, what other people are eating. Yeah, and I would add to that that advertising works. Otherwise, people wouldn't spend this kind of money on advertising. It works. And I remember when I was in college, undergraduate school in the middle 1960s, I remember in one class on advertising, they would show us the magazine articles at that time that were advertising cigarettes and um, alcohol and all types of things, and basically showing all the different ways to persuade people and to make people create a desire, even if they didn't have a desire for it, you could create a desire. And, you know, advertising has become very sophisticated, and it, and it works. And I think your point about if that same commercial were to be giving the caloric value or the saturated fat, daily saturated fat percentage allowance for, it would be a totally different experience, and it would have equally as much impact on the uh, viewer. Wow. Uh, and we have so much uh, to talk about. I mean, I, I, I just am so struck by so much of what we see. I want to mention to everyone, Dr. Steve uh, uh, and Joy Gergovich uh, joining the show today. I w wonder if you wouldn't mind giving out your website. We're going to do this throughout the show because uh, our folks listen online, and sometimes they like to pull up and say, all right, who are they? Let me see. So let's give out your website. Okay, the website is www the selfhypnosisdiet.com and they can spell it just about any way they want to it it'll all go to the same place okay well let's get to that question you know let's talk a little bit about what we mean by a self-hypnosis diet okay well I guess probably the first thing we should say is that it's not a diet at all in fact we don't encourage anyone to diet or to restrict their eating uh, in a dieting manner but it is about using one's mind to do a variety of things to help themselves make these changes, and one of which is to uncover psychological triggers to stress eating and maladaptive eating. Uh, another is to use the mind to uncover the barriers to getting their weight down. Um, one study I did in, this goes way back, actually in 1980, um, I found that one-third of the women patients I was treating at that time with hypnosis for weight issues, one-third of them, 
actually had a reason to keep the weight. And it wasn't it wasn't so much what they were eating as, as the fact that they had all been either raped or molested or had an uncomfortable experience, and their weight was a form of protection. And that was 33% of the sample. And that made an impression on me, so it told me whenever I work with people that have any kind of health issue, you want to look for what's beneath the surface. Is there a purpose for this? So, and sometimes there can be. I'm not saying there always is, but it, there can be. So you want, we use the mind-body connection to uncover triggers, barriers that are of a psychological nature, and also the associations to food, um, as well as hunger management. My, our colleague, Dr. Weil, talks quite a bit about hunger management, being able to recognize when you're hungry and when you're not hungry. Because the advertising will tell you you need a 32-ounce soda drink, you know, not a 6 or 8-ounce, but a 32-ounce drink, or the jumbo giant-sized popcorn at the movies, you know, the, literally the tub of popcorn. And reality is most of us grew up, I, I'm, I don't know how old you are, Pat, but I grew up in the what was called a clean plate club. You had to finish everything on your plate, otherwise you either didn't get something for dessert or you didn't leave the table or you felt badly that some child in another part of the world was going to go without what you weren't eating. And that, what that does to little children is it confuses the mind-body connection. Our body should tell us when we've had enough nutrition, when we've had enough nourishment. And that training is saying, doesn't matter if you're, if you're full or not, keep eating until you know, somebody else's standard tells you when, you when you should be finished. So there's a lot of mechanisms that we are unconscious of that we just naturally do because that's just the way we grew up here. Well, and, and it, you know, it, it seems like we're substituting those messages, you know, the clean plate club, I certainly remember that, um, although I was a master at knocking some of that food off so the dog got it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, where'd the beets go? <laughs> But it still doesn't change the fact that, you know, the programming that went into my mind was exactly like you talked about. You know, in that case, you know, you're able to slap some things off on the floor. But in most cases, you grow up with that level of thinking that if you don't finish it all, uh, that there, there's something wrong, you guilt and shame. Uh, and by the way, uh, you know, how could you resist? After all, it's only two ninety nine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, have you, I don't know if and you said you read the book, but I don't know if you've gotten to the CD in the back of the book. I actually didn't get to the CD in the back of the book. I, I, I wanted to read the book for the show. And then what I wanted to say on air was that uh, for me, I was going to read the book and I was going to implement the CD and check back in with you in one month and bring you back on the show. Lovely. That would be great. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to kind of do it before. I wanted to have this conversation and do this show because, as I mentioned before, it's not just my sister. You know, my family in general has had issues with their weight. And for me, I've heard the story that our family has issues with the weight, so I'm, you know, always vigilant about mine. But these are just part of the stories that we're told. We're also told, aren't we, that there is genetics. I mean, how many stories do we get told about what our weight is like and excuses for it? Yes, and you know, one of the things that makes hypnosis work so well is belief. 
And, you know, it's like Henry Ford said, if you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. So our beliefs, you know, well, it's in my genes, or I can't do it because or I can because, uh, our beliefs are powerful. You know, you think of your thoughts as being this conscious creation. You know, you think them, you make them. But their thoughts are like things. But our emotions, our feelings, come from the limbic portion of the brain where it's a very primitive part of the brain that just has powerful feelings. And whenever there's a conflict between emotions and intellect, the emotions always prevail. That's why phobias, you know, people, you know, know or they can say, I know it's silly to, you know, not climb up the ladder one step, but, but I can't. And they mean it. They can't because those feelings added to those thoughts create a belief and that's what we consider to be true and our subconscious mind cannot tell the difference between what's good or bad or what's real or imagined so that's why hypnosis works so well is we can have somebody pretend or imagine a belief and fuel it with some feeling some faith and voila the subconscious mind makes it happen and at that point it does seem very easy. It, you know, and, and it does seem easy, and, and I, I love what you're talking about because um, the chapter that you actually dedicate to, and it's not just a chapter, you talk throughout the book about beliefs and uh, knowing that you can. Uh, and this is something that I, I, I think uh, I want to I, I see if we can get it on the table. People have to believe that they have a choice in what they put in their mouths. And yet at the same time, don't we hear the excuses and the stories? What do we say to folks? (laughs) (laughs) I know you say in your book, no blaming and so forth. (laughs) You're you're absolutely right. Um, It it really does come down to a choice. And people will... People oftentimes believe that they don't have a choice, and it's not their fault, and any number of things to believe. But the reality is we have a choice in anything. And you can ask somebody, you know, can you do such and such? And here's a quick example. I remember one person I was talking to said, I can't take tests. I'm saying, why didn't you finish that degree program? Or I can't take tests. And this person has a track record of never finishing any of the educational programs they started because they believe they can't take tests which is, you know, we know is foolish. Anyone can learn to take tests, but as long as that individual has the belief that I can't, there's nothing going to change them until they choose to change the belief. And with affirmations, we can pronounce something, even though we at the moment think it's not true, but our subconscious mind can't tell the difference. So somebody who, let's say, has warts, which are a human papillomavirus, if they say to themselves, my skin is clear, my skin is smooth, as they're looking at the area where the warts are, the subconscious mind hears clear, smooth. It doesn't hear, I can't get rid of the warts. It hears what we've chosen to believe at that moment or speak. That is so fascinating you bring that up because, um, uh, boy, I just had a flashback. Uh, I was about, I guess, 10 or 12 years old, and I had a, a wart on my knee. And it was a pretty big size wart. And, um, and you know, back, back then, it, you, there were all sorts of stories of what you would have to do to get this wart removed, by the way. And so I so didn't want to experience any of that that I didn't quite say exactly what you said. But I said something like, my knee is beautiful or something That's like that. Perfect. 
and joy, it went away. <laughs> uh-huh. we, we've had some, you know, like Dr. Wild and I collect war stories, like much like others might collect war stories. Right. And, you know, whether it's rubbing a chicken bone on a ward on the night of the full moon, burying it in the backyard <laughs> by the next full moon, it's gone. Or I, I know some physicians who say, I used to pull out my biggest needle and show it to the patient, a child, and say, I'll have you come back in two weeks, and this is what we're going to use to get rid of your wart forever. And he said, you know, they never had to come back. The wart disappeared on its own. I think I had one of those experiences myself. <laughs> but again, it's, you know, our, a combination of motivation, what we want, what we desire, and what we'll let ourselves believe, along with some degree of an expectation, that's all it takes. It's that simple. It really is that simple. But that's not easy. You know, when you, if you were to tell somebody, you know, you really could enjoy increasing your physical activity. You could even learn to love certain forms of exercise. You know, they might be already shaking their heads, crossing their arms and telling you, oh, no, I can't. Oh, no, I can't. You know, I hate exercise. I, you know, I never take the stairs. I, I'll use the elevator. You know, the, but the reality is it's a choice. And if we choose to like something, we can find that, lo and behold, we get whatever we choose. Is that what you mean, what, you know, what we're talking about here? And let me just remind everyone that you are listening to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By, and this is our Street Smart Spirituality Hour. I am joined by Steve and Joy Gurjevich, and we are here talking about their book, which is, in my opinion, one of the best written books that I've gotten my hands on around I don't even want to call it diet, but diet is in the is in the title about taking control of your life and really honoring the bodies we have and knowing we can change. The book, by the way, is the self help uh, the the self hypnosis diet, and it's uh, use the power of your mind to reach your perfect weight. Uh, there there are also a couple of uh, subtitles here I want to read because I really want to get your your opinion about them. Uh, one of them is start loving the food that's good for you because already, I, I mean, I got a hot flash thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And, yeah, the, you, you know, starting point. <laughs> let, let's, I don't even want to go to boost your metabolism, but let's start that one. Start loving the food that's good for you. Uh, and, and it's, is it along the lines that you're talking about that we are so in the belief that the foods that are good for us are just awful? Well, I think so. And when you look at what um, most of uh, Americans are eating, you know, which are, are highly salted, highly fat foods, um, very sweet foods, they are very, uh, very addictive type foods. And and um, because of their very nature, they're very high calorie and usually very no, low um, nutrient dense foods. And as a result, our bodies aren't getting the nourishment that they require. And what happens? That sets up kind of a a, a reaction in the body so that the more um, nutrient-poor foods that we eat, and, and even if they're high-calorie foods, the more of those types of foods we eat, the, um, the more our body is, is demanding the nourishment. And so it sets up kind of this cycle of wanting to have more and more. So if you start off by eating, you know, a couple donuts in the morning and your body hasn't gotten the vitamin C and the protein and, and all the other wonderful things that it needs, then by 9.30, 10 o'clock, the body's saying it's hungry again. And, and so what do we have? Another donut or, or, or a bagel or something. And so we get into this cycle where we're eating a lot of 
high-calorie, nutrient-poor foods um, and not really nourishing our bodies. We're really one of the, we're the most overfed nation and undernourished at the same time. Isn't that mind-boggling? I mean, isn't that, isn't that a concept that's so hard to really understand? I mean, it is for me. I but you know, the other thing, too. the other thing too about these, um, these high, high fat, high salt, high sugar foods is that they really, um, knock our palates out of, of whack. And, and the, the really nourishing, wholesome foods, the foods that are really closest to nature, that are unprocessed, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables and whole grains and things, those foods are really very, absolutely phenomenally delicious. But for a person whose palate is, is used to salt and sugar and fat, it's, it's, a, it's a shift they have to make. But it isn't a difficult shift. It doesn't take long for the palate to change. And so you take small steps at a time so that um, if you're used to eating, um, you know, donuts for breakfast, you shift. You maybe have a, a piece of toast with a, with a little bit of, um, of plain jam on it. And, and that, that still has a, a wonderful flavor, maybe not be the healthiest of all, but it's a nice shift in the donuts. So the palate starts to change. And then when you get used to that, then you just shift to something that's even a little more wholesome and, and nourishing. So small steps. Well, I love what you're saying because, uh, you know, most of the, quote, diets that are out there are not about small steps, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, they're about uh, we're going to, and, you know, and they're television shows to support that. I mean, when you look at a show like uh, uh, the, the Greatest or the Biggest Loser, for example, you know, in my opinion, you're taking people and you're showing the public that you're putting people in some drastic change. Mm-hmm. And I think don't don't you think that we leave a message with people that that's the kind of thing that they have to do, and therefore it's hard for people to even get started. Absolutely, well, it's I, a daunting task. You know, I, you know, I do believe that it's that sometimes it's valuable to use that for shock value. For instance, uh, Morgan Spurlock's book, or a movie, Super Size Me. Yeah. And some of his uh, cable shows on, I can't know what it's called, something like Changes, or it's where he has two opposing points of view come live together for a month and notice that they can develop a sensitivity. But I think sometimes we can use it for shock value, but that's not a way of life. I mean, we, you know, we can't live that way. The other night, we, Joy and I happened to catch a commercial on TV where they were saying that if you buy into this plan, we'll not only send you two weeks' worth of all the food that you'll eat over the next two weeks, but we'll throw in a third week for free. And it'll be delivered to your and every one of the every one of the meals will be come out of this box that somebody delivered three weeks ago. And I'm thinking, how can you put a great deal of fresh, nourishing, wholesome nutrients into processed packages that somebody's going to live on for three weeks and expect them to make a lifestyle out of that. It, it, it absolutely doesn't make any sense to me unless we want to go back to, you know, the kind of uh, uh, macaroni and cheese stuff that used to pop out of a box when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I, but I don't want to do that. Uh, Steve and Joy, we have got a caller, I believe, that's joining the show, and I would love for us to take that call and Great. and have them connect with you. Uh, who's joining the show? Who do we have live on the Dr. Pat show? Linda. Hey, Linda. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, now let me introduce you to Steve and Joy, and, uh, and let's get your question out here. Well, I have a comment and I have a question. My comment is it sounds like you're talking about me. 
Um, you talked about the ladder, and I've had an experience. Well, I'm afraid of heights. Well, I tell myself I'm afraid of heights, okay. Um, but I was on a ladder, and um, I got up halfway in the ladder and stood there, held on for dear life, and shook. Couldn't go up, couldn't go down. Um, and then everybody had to talk me down. So I finally got off the ladder. So I related to what you were talking about with the ladder. But I do have a question about, um, you talked about the pasta and the sugars and the pizza and changing your um, eating habits. And it sounds very easy um, because I I have two people in my family who live on pizza, live on pasta and candy. And I was wondering how, to get them to take the little steps is very difficult, but how long does the process take? I mean, I can tell them, okay, try this or try that, but how do you get them to do the right thing? Well, that's a great question. Hmm, and I think, yeah, from a from a practical point of view, you know, when you're um, actually sitting down to a meal, if, if you want to talk from that point of view, I think it's really important to have a variety of things that they can choose from and maybe still have that pizza or pasta on the table, but maybe have some other things that you can tempt them with so that it's not something they feel forced into. Um, I know I use a, a favorite example, too, when people are used to eating white rice and you want them to start eating more whole grains, you know, like kamet or or brown rice even, that you can actually cook up both and mix them because that way the palate still recognizes that same familiarity, but then it also introduces something that's a little bit more dense and a little bit more flavor, and it helps them to move forward like that. But also I think that there's an answer that um, should be coming from Dr. Gurkovich on this too. Yes. Because the, um, the, the simple part of this is that um, you know, you can use your subconscious mind to actually help you to really, truly enjoy making those changes. And that's the other half of the equation. Yeah, you know, the experience you gave Linda of being on the ladder and, and describing, you know, there was an experience. And most people, that's what, where we learn our beliefs as well, through what we experience. You know, the reason I'm afraid of insects is because, oh, something blew onto me or... Uh, the reason I'm afraid of heights is this happened to me. And those are genuine learning experiences. And with self-hypnosis, what you're doing is you're unlearning one experience by deliberately putting another experience in your mind. At first, it's in your imagination. You're using your desire. What do you want to change? And then you create the image of it as if it already has changed. And then you imagine it and believe it like it's already happened. And now what you've done is you've already begun unlearning the the experience that you first had and now begin to replace it with a new experience that you've only put in imagination, but your subconscious mind can't tell the difference. And um, so I think that in dealing with changes in food, we start putting thoughts and ideas in our mind that this is going to be good. And because advertising does work and pictures are great, some of the wonderful cookbooks that are out there that show dishes with quinoa and kamet and whole grains, some of the pictures look just gorgeous. And if you look at that picture and you think, gosh, that looks good, I've never heard of it, I can't pronounce it, but it sure looks good. You know, and I have one of Dr. Wild's books on, he has a couple cookbook-like things out, but there's lovely photographs in there. But when you see a picture that's just gorgeous and, and you think, I, I'd like that, you're already halfway there. Now, 
next step is how do you move your family to that point? And <laughs> that's really Joy's department of, you know, how to make these little changes that, you know, helps minimize their resistance because pretty soon you want everybody to be on the same page of wanting the healthy changes. Linda, what do you think about that? Is that do you understand what the, what Stephen Joy are talking about? Yes, I, I do get that. Um, I, I just—it's hard to figure out how to to get that transformation that you want from people, um, or or to help them. Um, and I have a niece, well, and my sister—they're both—they're both horrible eaters, horrible. Um, and my my niece will even go to the extreme of saying, "Well, I can't eat that because my tongue itches after it." <laughs> I mean, that's the—I mean, that's as far as she goes. So. Um, but then you'll see her picking later because, you know, we can have a meal where you have a meat and a, or a steak, um, and she'll come back with, well, okay, the broccoli makes my tongue itch. You know, I think, um, you know, a really something we've learned a lot over the years is that people really learn, like the younger people that you're yes. around, mm-hmm. you know, they really learn from example. So, um, you know, if you're fixing a big dinner and, and you've got people that are, are wanting to have the, the pasta or the meat and the potatoes and the whole nine yards, and you can go ahead and fix that, but also fix some other things. And I know it sounds like maybe extra work, but it really isn't that much extra work, you know, to fix some other things that you enjoy, that you you yourself have started to enjoy, and, and just simply put them on the table mm-hmm. and uh, don't really make so much of an issue of it. Yeah, because the the issue part of this, doesn't that bring up then a form of resistance? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another thing you might consider to discharge some resistance is the person with the itchy broccoli tongue. Mm-hmm. That would be the person that I would invite to help to be totally responsible for pre- preparing the broccoli dish for one of the meals. And I find that particularly with kids and teenagers, if they are involved with making it, um, they're... They have a different attitude about it. Oh, that's a great idea. That is a good idea. That's a, that is a great idea. Excellent. That is a great idea. I know with really young children that they will eat anything that they have prepared, even if it was just stirring a, the salad with a spoon, they will eat it if they help prepare it. <laughs> Joy speaks from her years before when she had her Montessori school. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what you and what you just said makes a lot of sense because I've watched my niece make a um, a string bean salad, and she'll eat that, and she'll eat that for a couple days in a row. That's right. And you know the other thing too is you can modify recipes too, and people really in, um, want their pizza. You can, you know, you can make a homemade pizza with a bread machine and put on, and, and they, can, they can prepare the pizza themselves. You roll it out and you put on the sauce and you can put on all of these really wholesome ingredients. And it looks like a pizza, it tastes like a pizza, and it's really healthy. So that's another thing, too, is to, to um, you know, kind of transform those favorites into something that's going to be a little healthier. Yeah, I'm a real pizza lover. I always have been. I remember when we, Joy and I were doing one of our first collaborations on mind, body, and, and nutrition. I said, okay, you're the expert on nutrition. I'm busy. I work all day in the hospital. I come home at night. I'm going to prepare my own meal. Give me a menu for fast-to-fix foods for this week so I'm not at risk of picking something up on the way home. And she rattled up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and she said, on Friday you'll have pizza. And I thought, okay, how? And, you know, we have pizza probably, I'd say, at least two or three times a month, and when we have the physicians over that we're training in the integrative medicine program, 
would always make it a point to show them what time it is and that 20 minutes later we have a piping hot, fully organic, lovely vegetable-rich diet that is healthy, nutritious, and without any preservatives that is safe to eat and will not cause anyone to gain weight. And it tastes great. And it, it can be done. But once you show somebody how to do it, then it becomes even easier. The belief changes. It's possible now. Mm-hmm. And again, it starts that subtle shift of palate changes, too. So that wow. pretty soon that, that pizza from the local pizza place doesn't taste quite so good anymore. <laughs> you, you, you create a shift on that. Linda, what, I know you've been listening to the show, and we've been talking about many things today. Uh, but I want to remind everyone that we are here with Steve and Joy Gurjevich, and we're talking about the book, The Self-Hypnosis Diet. Linda, what do you what what do you think about the idea of self hypnosis? I think we. I, I guess I don't even know. Hypnosis scares me only because of the stories that I've heard, um, and I know that they're probably all not true. Um, but but it sounds like something that I would be interested in trying to do, and I and I'm going to get the book. Excellent. Thank you, Linda. And, you know, Steve, I wonder if you would address that, Dr. Gurdjieff, I wonder if you would address, it would, would address Linda's comment about hypnosis scaring people because part of doing this show is to really just get rid of all of the myths associated with hypnosis because if people believe this about hypnosis, they're not even going to think about self-hypnosis. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Linda, when Linda first got on the phone with you, she's, you asked her what she thought, and she says, "Oh, it sounds like you guys are talking about me," which is true. I mean, not not only you know, 72% of Americans is estimated are now approaching the overweight category, but also her belief about well, at first it scares me. Um, that's the common prevailing attitude. And I recently read an article by one of my colleagues that said, you know, if back in around 1840 or 1850, if this Frenchman uh, who had, was a part of this investigation 50 years later of Mesmer's work, hadn't called it hypnosis, but called it neuromodulation or mind-body techniques, people would have a totally different attitude about it. And I, again, I think it's because it, you know, it's been drugged through the nightclubs and the stages for, to exploit it for entertainment value, and that's not even an accurate picture of what it is. And you know, in our clinic, we have, gosh, we see all kinds of medical conditions and we have about 70 different titles on our website for all types of things skin problems to gut problems surgery cancer chemotherapy support childbirth all using self-hypnosis and unless somebody knows what it finds out what it's really about they have a common common experience like linda's at first it scares me just hearing it in fact that's what got me into this line of work that it scared you? Absolutely. And I, that, I was 15 years old, and I got off work at the bank where I was a stock boy and after school, and I walked past the radio station in my hometown, and I walked in to see what it looked like. And they were doing a broadcast like you're doing now. And through a glass panel, I'm watching a live talk show, and they had a group of people, and one guy was a hypnotist. And they asked him, could you hypnotize anyone? And he turned around, he saw me looking through the mirror, through the glass, and he said, sure, I can even hypnotize him. And it just scared me to death. I ran out of there. And I ran to the library, and the first book I picked up, fortunately, was a book by a Dr. Wolberg, Louis Wolberg, from Columbia University, who he wrote it in the 1940s. 
but within one week, I had unlearned phobias. I could go to the dentist and have no anesthesia. I, it was amazing. And since then, I've been just obsessed with learning of all the intricacies of this magnificent mind-body connection. Wow. Well, th- thanks for sharing that. Uh, Linda, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you, and I, and I want to thank both of you for your um, tips on, on how I can do this because obviously I've been going about it the wrong way, so I really appreciate it, and keep up the great work. Thank you, Linda. Thank you very much. Bye now. Uh, thank you. I love our listeners. I, I do 11 hours of radio a week, and, and I, we have such fabulous listeners. And somewhere midpoint between the beginning and the end of the show, I play the theme from Love Boat. <laughs> I, I, honestly, they they so inspire me to keep doing what I'm doing. And as with with you both, uh, this is this is such a fabulous invitation for people that will listen to this show live and listen to the archives. In the time left, I really like to focus on what people should know about this self self hypnosis. What you put in the book about the diet. And, you know, things that will help them get past, quote, their fears. What would you say to our listeners to encourage them to take a look at this and change their lives? Well, I think regarding this, what you just said, the fear issue, if you think of self-hypnosis, and again, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis, it is not, the stage act is not the reality, <laughs> more so than a magic act is magic. Um, but if you think of, the time, the normal everyday trances we go in and out of, and we call them daydreams, and by learning to deliberately focus that on what you want, fuel it with belief as if it's already happened, that's it. And that's as scary as it gets, that you are in control. And I must say, there are some people that maybe wouldn't want to be in control. They maybe have a personality disorder that says, no, somebody else always has to be the blame for my problems. Because with self-hypnosis, the person in control is the person doing it. And it's an experience. It's not something we're thinking to happen. We're actually experiencing it in our beliefs, our mind, our body, and our body responds to everything that we are imagining, thinking, saying, speaking, and hearing. It's very, very powerful. Uh, Joy, what would you say to folks? Well, I think that uh, an important thing to, to make sure that, that they're clear on is that the self-hypnosis diet is not a diet. It, it really does provide, um, you know, the, like the missing ingredient that helps you to use your mind-body to establish lifelong patterns of eating and physical activity that make it seem like you can eat anything you want and still keep your perfect weight. You, you know, Pat, let me add one thing. One night, Dr. Weil, Andy was over for dinner. And Joy and I and Andy were having a lovely dinner with rice and vegetables. Actually, I remember it was broccoli and, in fact, <laughs> what didn't make anyone's tongue itch, in fact. But, and, and we, and it was just a lovely meal. And it was during that meal that it dawned on me, this is why I can eat anything I want and not gain my, any weight. It's, it's because we're eating this way. It's our lifestyle. We don't even think of it anymore. We've just created habits and behaviors that let us eat anything we want and keep our perfect weight. Well, I I certainly um, want to thank you both for taking a very, very powerful message. And I'm like this little kid about this because I've read the book, right? 
and I knew that you you both were going to come on. And so I, it's almost like I, I have been waiting for the moment now tonight when I actually put the CD, and I have a CD alarm clock, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, by my bed, because that's what you recommend. That's right. I love that idea. I love that. I would have never thought about doing the, the CD in bed. And that's what you recommend, and I, it's perfect, and I cannot wait to put this CD in tonight. And we'll check in with you a month from now about this. Well, you can check in sooner than that if you want. <laughs> I, well, you know, I may have to. <laughs> Our favorite chapter in writing the book was the one about nourishing a love affair with food, where, where you just love not only eating it, but cooking it, preparing it, shopping for it, thinking about it, so that now these new habits are things that give you gratification. And that's always, a, to me, is the most appealing part of change. When I, when I realize that somebody's actually enriched their life and they're getting much more pleasure out of it, as well as the results they're achieving by doing it. So I'm eager to hear how well you do. Well, I, I am just totally thrilled. And I want to extend an invitation to both of you to join me on one of the other hours that I do on radio. Uh, this is a much-needed message. Uh, this is, uh, I, I believe people are, are longing to find solutions and answers uh, so that they can change their lives. And I would, uh, it would be great if you could please give out the website again so folks and the book is available just about anywhere, right? Yes, it's yes. A, available at Barnes and Noble and other stores, and and our website is www.theselfhypnosisdiet.com. It's also available from the publisher, SoundsTrue.com. Excellent, and again, thank you both uh, for uh, joining us today on the air. It has certainly been a pleasure. I could I could talk about. Uh, this with you for at least another hour and I want to comment one thing about the book uh, for those of you that are picking up a copy of the book you are going to love it for a lot of reasons but you'll find that there is a, a call out section sections throughout the book uh, one is called a motivation maker which I love these tips themselves and the other is called a belief booster and these are the, the tools that we need, really, for uh, both of you to fine-tune fine tune the magnificence that we are. And next time we have you on air, maybe you can talk about what, you're t what you call a magnificent makeover. Okay. Be happy to. And thank you so much for having us on and for all of your insightful words. I mean, you're going to enjoy doing so very well with this. I'm loving it. Thank you both for, for joining, and thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm, I am sure that you have found something in today's conversation that is going to change your lives. I know because you let me know about it. If you've got any questions or comments, please send me an email, pat at the drpatshow.com, and I will certainly uh, pass it on. Again, thank you both for, for joining the show today. The book, The Self-Hypnosis Diet, it's actually more than a book. It really is an invitation to change your lives. I want to thank everyone here at bbsradio.com for pushing all the right buttons tonight and to make sure that each and every one of you know that to live your life the way you want is a choice and know that we are with you in spirit as you take this journey out into a new level. Until next week, make yourself a fabulous, fabulous week. Baby.
PBS Radio.